0: and not replace the church and faith community God has called you to be a part of locally. With that said, engage with us over the next 30 to 40 minutes as we dig into the Word of God proclaimed. Turning your Bibles to Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. If you do not have a Bible with you, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Um, And I encourage you to pick it up. Uh, were there any first through fifth graders? I can't. I can't remember. Did, you, did, anybody, did anybody go? I, I was. I was up front. Did he, We got Katie here. She's here. She's ready for you. Yeah, there she is. Katie's one of my students from way back. Uh, she's really cool. So if y'all want to hang in here, that's fine too. Katie can hang in here. She's cool. Um, turn to Titus chapter three. I think it's page nine thirty-two and the Bibles in front of you. Um, we are closing out a series on Titus today. Um, we have walked through this entire book, and um, oh, let me let me also say this. I didn't say it during the welcome, um, but I wanted to say how thankful I am for for Luke leading us in worship today. Um, yeah, thankful for Luke leading us in worship. Um, he is one of the worship leader candidates. You know him well um, because he's he's here. He serves here. He's he's great. So. Um, we, we met Ian a couple weeks ago, now we've met Luke And, and um, just so, so exciting to have talented people that want to give those talents to the Lord um, And before I jump into today's message, I just want to say that when we come to church um, It should be for the Lord and not what makes us comfortable Is that okay to say um, and, and the reason I say that is because I oftentimes get snagged um, during the week or people that attend church are friends of mine and they'll pull me aside and they'll complain about their church and things they don't like. And, and sure, church is always a growing process of um, pointing people towards Jesus. That's the whole thing. That's the whole deal. That's why we're here. And so um, I, I want to urge us to be careful Um, that we don't allow our preferences and um, just small things to get in the way of the big thing. Does that make sense? I I just wanted to push into you, because what can happen, and I can be guilty of this as well, is that we get in the groove of things that we like and we're comfortable with, and and this makes me, me, Carl, feel good. Um, This is how Carl... Uh, wants church to be, and I can get in that vein too, okay, and and the, the problem is the church isn't made up of just Carl's, it's made up of the body of Christ, and, and all of us are different, so I, I just wanted to just hug you, hug you tightly this morning um, before we jump into today's message, and speaking of hug, hugging tightly, um, and everybody wonders what story's coming next, right, uh-huh. Uh, there is a, there is a, the biggest fear, the biggest danger in attending church is that um, the power that happens here is not, um, or, or the danger is not actually in here. The danger is in how we take it and what we do with it, right? So the, so the danger is, is that we would come in here and say, I've got this, um, when I was in, what was it, fourth grade, fifth grade, um, I used to be in a spelling bee, okay? I was really good. I'm just going to tell you, I was a really good speller. Um, I, I mean, nobody could beat me. I'm just going to be honest. Is that okay? I'm not going to be prideful. I'm just telling you I was the best. <laughs> and so... Um, I don't know if you've ever watched ESPN, I don't watch it too much, but you know, during the summer you get some weird stuff on ESPN, you get some ping pong, like like is ping pong really a sport, um, uh, you get things like poker, it's on ESPN, you know what I never learned in, in, in gym class in high school, how to play poker? What beats me is that ESPN plays the National Spelling Bee. What, what kind of physical? Like, how do you? How does that end up on ESPN? Um, and and I guess the reason I'm a little bitter about that is because in the fourth grade, while I was a phenomenal speller, I had a bad experience. So maybe I'm a little bitter about it. And just to tell you, I, so. If you've been in a spelling bee, they give their certain levels of list of words they give you. So there's like level one, like all your four-letter words. And, and then you go up to level two, you get some five- and six-letter words, and it goes up from there. Well, I was so good, I didn't feel like I needed to study that first phase. That first level, that's for the blue ribbon participant winners. That, that, that's for those folks. That's not for me because I'm a good speller. And so I walk up, fourth grade. Fourth grade teacher's Miss Aleph. I walk up, proud too, chest out. They tell me to spell lock. And I said, this could be a trick. Surely they wouldn't give me L-O-C-K. Surely they mean a different type of, of lock. And so, you know, when you, if you ever watch the National Spelling Bee, you know when they have no clue... When they say, can you give me the country of origin, please? They'll say that. And, or, or they'll say, can you use it in a sentence? Because they have no clue what this word is. So I did all that. I still had no clue. I was like, I don't know what this is. So, so then I got mad. Then I'm just like, who would give someone this word? We live in America. There's no Loch Ness Monster here. Like, like why, why would you give it? So I, then I was just angry. And so I just spelled L-O-C-K and I lost out first round, very first round. You know why? Because I thought I had it. So hear me this morning. We just have gone through, we're, we're on our fifth week of Titus, and there's a danger that you have attended church so long that you're going to cut this message out of your brain and say, oh, this isn't for me, I've got this. And the problem is, is you're going to end up at a point in life where you need this word of God. And it's not going to be there. So I don't want you to come in and leave today and say, oh, I've got this. And I said all that, and that's not, that's for free. That's for free. That's not even part of the message today. I just, I'm scared. I'm, I'm scared for us as a church, as a Christian people, that we would just, especially for those of us who attend frequently. That we would just pass over this and say, well, this isn't for me. I've got this. I'm, I've already passed this level. Just to recap where we've been, in chapter 1, Paul is writing this letter to Titus, who's this apostolic delegate. And he says, hey, Titus, listen, God has a plan. You're a part of it. God's, gonna, God's plan is going to work through you. God's plan works through us. Um, and... uh. And God is not a God that lies. And so this plan that I'm going to use you to be a part of, I'm going to empower you for, I'm not a liar. He just encourages Todd to say, listen, I know this is a daunting task, but listen, God does not lie. And then we found um, also in chapter 1 that he put some leadership in place. Some elders. And we found that um, uh, God put church leadership in place for our flourishing. That we would be able to come to church and hear the truth and not hear some offshoot of it. And we found that um, these elders are supposed to lead their home before they lead the church. They should be good men at home before they lead our church. Um, And we we said that God put all this in place because he cares for your soul. Look at me. He cares for your soul past this thing. That's why he put... Church structure and place to care for your soul. And in chapter 2, um, he showed us how we should live in relation to each other, like in the church. And so we talked to older men and said, older men, what? how are you living your life? And, and what is your life preaching about you? Um, older women, are, are, are you taking time to mentor someone younger? Are you... Now look, older men, older women... We need our 55 and up crowd. How, how are we supposed to learn how to walk this thing out without you? This isn't your time to sit on the bench. It's time to get in the game. That's what Paul is saying here. We need you. Younger Young women, love your homes. Um, uh, and then young men, be self-controlled. You know what they're saying? He's saying, learn what's most important. And not get distracted. Slaves, bond servants, despite your circumstance, be faithful. Many of us have walked through so many circumstances. Um, and we think that God would give us a pass. Because look what I'm walking through. But here's the deal. You've got to be faithful. In and out of good and bad seasons. And then he seals up chapter 2 by saying the reason we're able to do this the only reason you are able to live like Christ would want you to live is because of what he has done in here i'm a new person i'm alive in christ never the same all be beca- all pe- All is possible, all of that, because of the grace that is extended to us. Now the reason all this is important is because we're going to make a subtle shift here into chapter 3 where he's going to show us how should we live in relation to the world around us. How should we live in relation to the world around us? So go ahead and grab your Bibles. Um, I want you to read along with me. We're going to start in chapter 3, verse 1. Remind the believers to submit to government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Once we too, once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, can I read that again? But when God, our Savior, revealed His kindness and love, He saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He washed away our sins. Giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior because of His grace. He declared uh, us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. That we will inherit eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. Do not get involved in foolish discussions about spiritual pedigrees or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. These things are useless and a waste of time. If people are causing divisions among you, give a first and second warning. After that, have nothing to do with them. For people like that have turned away from the truth, and their own sins condemn them. Verse 12. I am planning to send either Artemis or uh, Tychicus to you... As soon as one of them arrives, do your best to meet me at Nicopolis, for I've decided to stay there for the renter. Do everything you can to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos with their trip. See that they are given everything they need. Our people, hear this, our people must learn to do good by meeting the urgent needs of others. Then they will not be unproductive. Everyone here sends greetings. Please give my greetings to the believers, all who love us. May God's grace be with you all. So we have Paul here and he's signing off on this letter to to Titus. And he kind of opens the letter with a difficult thing right out the bat. Right out the bat. Because he says we should be marked by our respect and interaction with authorities. Now... In 2019, that is an issue. He says right here, remind believers to submit to government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. For some reason, as Christians, um, as a culture, let me start there. As a culture, we think we should rail against the government, police, police, any authorities. Authority is not a cool word in 2019. Nobody wants an authority. I'm my own authority. I'll do what I want. And the problem is, if you're a Christian, you can't come, th- come that way. That can't be you. The Bible calls us to be submissive, um, Not just in church, but in the world outside of the church to the government authorities. Now, this is all throughout Scripture. In Romans 13, you'll see where God put together who's in government. God put the elected officials in their place in Romans 13. And then we even see it in 1 Peter, where he says you should even submit to the emperor. Now... Let me just give you a little history. The emperor at this time, this this was during a time called the Pax Romana, okay? So, which literally means the Roman peace. So this was a time where the Roman Empire was growing and pushing forward. And so if you were Roman, it was great. But if you were not, it was not great. If you were not Roman. Um, And... uh, during this Pax Romana, there were several, this Roman peace, there were several emperors. And during the time that Paul wrote this letter in AD 63, there was a guy in office as emperor named Nero. Have you ever heard that term? Have you ever heard that guy? Nero? Nero was in office, and Nero was a guy who really enjoyed being in office. And so he would take these lavish vacations and... Um, well, while he was on one of his vacations, uh, th- there in Rome, there's a, there a fire broke out. You've heard this? Did you hear this in history class? Yeah. It's, that's when Paul's writing this letter, okay, during this time period after this fire. Because then Nero... And if you went to Christian school at all, Nero's a bad bad word in the mouth. Because what happened, as Nero was out of town, people started blaming Nero, saying, it's, this is all your fault. Well, Nero said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to be the blame of this. I'm going to blame Christians. Could he blame, could he find reasons that the Christians set it on fire? No. He had no evidence. But he started launching campaigns to put to death Christians. Anyone in here ever had the government come after you for being a Christian to put you to death? No? Let me tell you about Nero. Nero would take Christians and and make human candles. He would kill them, or well, kill them by wrapping them in wax, and he would hang them and light them on fire in his garden to light his garden area. He would take dead animal skins, wrap Christians up and throw them out in the woods to be eaten. Now let me read this again. Remind believers to submit to the government and all its officers. It's a bigger deal now. It's important, it's important to understand. now. What what do we do with injustice then? I mean, what do we do with injustice? Do do we just... Is it okay? Should should we just go along with whatever the government says? That's not what I'm saying here this morning. What I'm I'm saying is, is that we as Christians, our lives should be marked by how we approach government and authorities. And understanding that God put them in place. Listen to me. I don't care who wins the 2020 election. You think God's losing the 2020 election? No, whoever enters that office, God allowed to be there. For those who didn't like Obama, oh, he's not my president, or didn't like Trump, oh, he's not my president. Let me tell you something. As a Christian, it doesn't matter who's in office. As a Christian, we are to respect and submit to the authorities that are being in place. Okay? All right. Now for the times that civil disobedience is necessary, I think back to Martin Luther King and and standing up for godly, biblical things. There's a place for that. And he tells us right here in verse 2 how to go about that. They must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility. To who? Everyone. Everyone. Other versions say all people. You know what the challenging part to this verse is? The all people. You know what it means? All people. You go back to the Greek, you, you do all your, your theological work, you know what all people means? All people. This means that the person who keeps leaving his trash can by my mailbox, I have to love and not be quarrelsome. For the husband or wife that is not acting right, I have to be not quarrelsome. To the person in church that I don't agree with how they're living their life, we're to not be quarrelsome. To my non-Christian Muslim neighbor, I'm not to be quarrelsome. Hear me this morning. Outside of these walls, there's not just expectations of you. If, you. if you've come in this place today and you say, I'm a Christian, there are expectations of you. There's expectations of you in here and outside of here. And it's not something to be taken lightly. Because outside of here, this will reflect on Christ more than it does on you. So how do we do this? Um. How is any of this possible? Listen to verse 3. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. This is the stance we operate from. Before we go snapping at other people or acting a fool, listen to me, understand you were once a fool and may currently be one. So before, and you see it all through the Bible, look, about logs and splinters. I know that's that's, that's my girl Candon's favorite verse. Up in the booth. She loves that verse about logs and eyes. She's good at it. She knows it. By heart. Listen. It's all through the scripture. Before the the point at which we operate is understanding that there's a standard. But understanding that we were too once foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil. And so... Don't miss this last part, and we hated each other. We are not only fractured with God, but we're also fractured with each other. Understand, from the get-go, there is going to be tension between you and other people. You and your husband, you and your family, you and your friends, you and your neighbor, you and this church. You and me. And you know why? Because, look, we were once, we're, we're still operating here in the world. We're not, we haven't met him in the air yet. And so I just need you to understand that Paul is telling Titus, Look, brother, you've got to tell these people. They've got to submit and start acting right. And this is not always easy. And then he paints this picture in verses 4 through 7. This is like my go-to, how God saves us passage. Uh, Verses 4 through 7. This is this picture of how God saves us. Uh, But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love to us, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. If you have come in here today, and you think that you, there's no way you should see the things that I've done. There's no way God can save me. You, you, know, you don't know my past, Pastor. You don't, you don't know what I've walked through. And I've done some bad things. I've had some bad thoughts. Some of y'all had some bad thoughts this morning. I know I did. I had to fight my flesh. That's why I came down here and started worshiping. Hear me today. You're not saved because of all the good things you do. Because even, even we find in the Old Testament where it says even your most righteous deeds are dirty rags in comparison to the glory of God. You think you're doing good? Compare it to God. This is how he saves us. He washed our sins away, giving us a new birth, a new life through the Holy Spirit. All new. So so he goes from telling us, this is how we live outside of here. How do we do that? Because we're new. Listen, if you're trying to do this thing on your own, of your own power and accord, I will let you know it's not going to happen. Not going to work. Listen, to those who went to camp and you made some decisions, hear me this morning, young people. This Christian walk does not happen because you're able to white-knuckle it and figure it out on your own. It happens because you allow Christ to make you someone you cannot be. Oh, he makes us something we cannot be. Look, if that doesn't set you down a level, you need to, you need to hear it again. It is his mercy. It is his mercy this morning. Don't come in here with your puffed-out chest thinking you've got it. It's him. And if your life is not pointing to him and it's pointing to you, can I tell you how many pastors I know that are in trouble these days because the, all the eyes were on me. Look, listen very well this morning. Carl is flawed and imperfect. And the only way I'm able to live the way I'm living is because of God Almighty in my, I'm not me. It's him. Oh. And I'll go back to the verse I quoted last week, Galatians 2. Galatians 2. Where it says, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Give yourself a break this morning. If you've been trying to execute this and it's not working out, maybe you're relying on the wrong strength source. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ. Generously. Because of His grace, He declared us righteous, and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And that's beautiful. I'm so thankful today. Can I just tell you? Can I just tell you, just from just Carl, for a second? I'm so thankful He saved me. My God, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know where I'd be. I have no clue if you could have seen the paths that I've walked down, if you, you could have seen the days that I have faced, and you can see testimony after testimony after testimony in this room where you would say, if it hadn't been for God being generous with His Spirit on me, there is nothing more important than this. There's nothing more important than this. And then in response to this work of grace in us, we bear fruits of good works. Hear what he says next. This is trustworthy, trustworthy saving. I want you uh, to insist on these teachings uh, so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. Now, this can get confusing. So, so we just talked about, hey, this is not of our own might, right? This is not of me. It's Christ in me, right? But then he says, we should be about doing good. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Gospel belief, and we've said this from the beginning, the whole book of Titus says that the gospel, if I believe what the gospel says, then tethered to it is behavior. Tethered to it is behavior. So hear me. Young people, old people, all all the people. If there ain't no fruit, You better check to make sure that tree's alive. Now listen. This this does not mean you have to earn anything that God's giving. But what it says is that when God really does it, there's fruit. So doing good is important. Now I I would compare it to marriage. I would compare it to marriage. I do that a lot because I'm married. So that's, that's all I've got. That's all I can compare it to. I can compare it to that and a four-year-old. And cutting grass. But cutting grass typically can't get a whole lot out of it except for just peace. Um, from marriage and a four-year-old. <laughs> there are all kinds of things I do now that I never did before I was married. Like, put my dirty clothes in one spot. Um, dishes. Uh, get up once I've sat down. Never used to do that before. I, I, I used to sit down and just sit. That's what I used to do. Now, I sit down and get up, sit down and get up, sit down and get up. All All day. <laughs> The longer I've been married, these things, it's just fruits of being married. Does it mean I'm not married if I, if, I'm not, if, if, if I haven't made all these things perfect? No. I'm still married. But there is fruit to it. Listen, a marriage without fruit won't last. Think I'm not kidding? There's some testimonies in here that will tell you. In response to what he has done in us, there is fruit. So if you're wondering, like, how do I know that, that this thing is real inside of me? There's going to be fruit. I mean, you'll just see it. People will see it in you. Man, you're different. There has to be fruit. And then, and then there's a really uncomfortable phrase, and, and, and then we're going to jump to the end here. Do not get involved with foolish discussions. If I could tell you, in 31 years of attending church, now the first few years I couldn't talk. But as soon as I could talk, can I tell you how many foolish discussions I've had in church? Things that don't matter. We laugh sometimes and giggle about it. Let me tell you something. Christians are the worst. And ha- just get arguing and com- they just get into it over the stupidest things. Have no eternal value whatsoever. Marriage arguments happen the same way. It'll start right here, and then all of a sudden, we got problems. And all I did, I left the dishes in the sink, I didn't put them in the dishwasher. Whoa. Now all of a sudden we're talking about living in separate houses. I don't know what happened. How did we get here? Well, you're, it's true. The reason he is war, warning against quarreling is because that's what happens in church. And why do you think people don't want to come anymore? That's why people in 2019 have such a hard problem. It's because we quarrel over stupid things. Is it okay to say that? You can send me an email if it's not. Or in quarrels and fights about obedience to Jewish laws. He's beckoning back to that false teaching. Don't get in fights over things that don't matter. It's not true. These things are useless and a waste of time. There are some people in here who need to cut out people in your life just fill your time with useless bickering and quarreling. Now, the Bible tells us how to address it before you cut them out. But listen, there is a cutting out. If people are causing division among you, hear me, warn them, give them a first and second warning. After that, have nothing to do with them. Now, people have a hard time with this, this, this whole thought process of, like pushing someone out. But Paul puts a lot of, of priority and, and, and importance on unity, of being united as a church. So listen, I'm going to lovingly tell you this. If there is division among us as a church, you can be assured of one thing. I'm going to come to you at least twice before I tell you to leave. And you don't think I won't. But unity is important. And, this, and this, this irks people. It really does. For those who are, who are on this side, they're like, Carl, you would tell someone to leave here? That's my job. It's my job to protect what God is doing here. And if you are intentionally, this is a p- specific type of person, if people are causing divisions among you, give them a first and second warning. You know what we're doing here? We're trying to love them back into the kingdom. We talked about this already, how we approach this. We want them to see Jesus. But church discipline is a good thing. Division is the root. If, if the devil wants to do anything in our families and in our church, it's to divide us. And he'll do it over anything. He'll do it over how loud the sound system is. He'll do it over what people wear. He will do it over uh, anything, anything at all to cause division. And we have to war against division. For people like that have turned away from the truth and their own sins condemn them. Look, I love you. Hear me. I love you. I would not stand up here every week if I did not. There it is much easier just to cut grass than to sit here and proclaim God's word that there are there are steps to take when people don't want to be unified with the body. There's a loving way to do it. Now in church church history past, we might just just get real angry at folks and tell them you can go somewhere else with all that. That's not how it'll go down here. We're going to lovingly ask you to unite, unite, unite under what God is calling us to, under the scripture. Not what Carl says, but this word right here. But if you cause division around here, you can take that somewhere else. So, there's that. I hope I see you next week, all right? (laughs) It's kind of a joke, kind of not, but I love you. Any okay, I gotta close. Man, I'm excited about baptisms next week because here at the end we have. I am planning to send Artemis and uh, Tychicus to you. he, he gives him some little instructions about where he's staying. Come and see me. I don't want us to miss this. In verse 13 it says, Do everything you can to help Zenos the lawyer and Apollos with their trip. Apollos was, was one, of, one of Paul's guys. Okay, Zenus. we don't know much about Zenus. You know what we know about Zenos? He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't a disciple. Zenos was a lawyer. That God was using and sending to spread the gospel into dark places. I don't know what you do today. For a living, maybe you're retired. But the gospel light inside each of us should be pushing back the darkness in our families, homes, and communities. You know what this says? You know what, the, you, you know what Titus is about? This right here. that what God has done in you should be transforming everything you touch. Every place you go should look much different because you're there. The whole book of Titus, talking about Nero, talking about the The times they were facing in their country as Christians. Talking about just Crete, the island they're on. Known for being liars and just not good people. And Paul has sent Titus into this mess to be a gospel light to push back dark things. That is our purpose. Hear me Christian today. Transformation Church. And why we are here is to push back darkness. That's it. We're pushing it back with the food pantry. I'm sure as they're painting those walls and sweating, look, I used to, I would come in there and Dewey and Harold, these guys would be in there, they got stuff all over them, they just, because they just go in, they just go all in when they work. 100% they give every single time they, they, and, and I'm so thankful that we have people like that here. In that, it would almost seem like, you know, what am I doing here? You know, what? But then when four families got fed on Saturday, all of a sudden there's a little light going into the darkness. We're replacing sound systems and and I'm out here mowing the grass every other week. Why why are we doing it? We're pushing the light into dark places. When I go to the grocery store and, and I just give someone a smile and a wave and I say, Man, God loves you. And that's it. I'll invite them to church. Maybe I do, maybe I don't. I'm just pushing light into dark places. I'm just being me. I'm just, I'm just trying to be what God has called me to be where I am. In my home, in my family, in my community. And just by allowing God to do what God does, this community would never be the same. Just by you being you, where you're at. That's what Titus is about. What God does here should transform everything outside of here. It changes everything. All things new because of Jesus Christ. Here, hear me. If you leave here and everything is the same, you're missing the point. You should leave here and constantly grow closer to Jesus. I don't care if you've been serving him 70 years. Tomorrow, I want to be closer to him. Next Sunday when I get here, I want to be a better man because of Jesus in my life. And, and that's my prayer for you. All eyes up front. Take one step. Take one step this week. Just a step towards Jesus. I don't know if it's, maybe you're reading your Bible once this week. That's a step for some of y'all. Let me, let me, is that okay? Just, just read it once. Just take five minutes, pull out your phone. I don't care what you turn it to, just read it. Get it down in there. Listen to it. If you can't read, just listen to it. Take one step this week. And what happens is that gospel will change you and all of a sudden all this warring and fighting you're doing to be a better person Christ does for you through his word through his spirit I think Luke's going to sing would you just bow your heads and close your eyes today and as he sings just just focus on the Lord and what he might have for